What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? What is this? Are you trying to trick me? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I've got another best of episode for you, but this time I'm calling it a very special best of episode. As longtime listeners know, whenever I tackle a serious subject, I call it a very special episode. Because I remember those TV shows when I was a kid where the typical sitcom would take on the topic of homelessness or sex education in school. And they call it a very special episode. So this is a very special best of episode. And the reason for that is I've gone back to season one again. And a couple of my earliest episodes were about growing up as the fat kid and about bullying. Two things that I am very, very familiar with. Going back to season one lets me listen to the episodes again and re-edit them and reproduce them because I've improved how I produce the podcast. At least I like to think so. So I'm able to clean up those first episodes. Now, these aren't the full episodes. I've taken excerpts from each of them. And as I listen to them again, I remember they were difficult episodes to do. I love telling my stories. I like talking about the good things I remember and the fun stuff and the things we've forgotten and pieces of advice from mom and grandma and all that stuff that I usually talk about. But one of my points of story time has always been to share all kinds of different stories, both the fun ones to tell and the hard ones to tell. And some stories are harder than others to tell. But by sharing them, sometimes it helps. One of the most interesting things about the episodes on being the fat kid and on bullying was I got a lot of favorable responses from people. People thanked me for doing them. And the fact that people were noticing those episodes was one of the things that motivated me to keep doing episodes. People like to hear these stories, and sometimes it helps to hear that other people have gone through things that you're going through, or that you've gone through. And that, too, is the point of story time. Anyway, the full episodes are there in the archive. You can go back to season one and listen to the full episodes if you'd like. And if you haven't heard these episodes before, I hope you like these excerpts. And if you have heard them before, I hope you enjoy them again. So here you go. This is the best of story time. Today's episode is about bullying. And um, it's a difficult topic to talk about just in general, because it happens all the time. And a lot of times people pass it off as, ah, they're just teasing them or they're just picking on them. And yeah, that's true too. But there's a difference between teasing and bullying. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about as well. But one of the other reasons that I wanted to talk about it is it's something that happens all of the time. If you're in any way different, you're liable to be bullied one way or the other, especially if you're in school. It's worse when you're a kid because a lot of times when you're a kid, you don't feel like you have any outlet, anywhere to go, anyone to talk to. And that's one of the other things that I wanted to do with this podcast was to let you know you're not alone, to let you know that there are people who've been there, who've experienced what you're experiencing, who you can turn to if you want somebody to turn to, even if you just want to vent, if you want to let somebody know, I'm going through crap right now and I just need somebody to listen. Sometimes that's all you need, somebody to listen. Bullying is is more malicious than people realize. When you're getting picked on, it's, it's like a five-year-old saying, why is your shirt so ugly? Neener, neener, neener. Bullying has meanness attached to it, an intent. There is some kind of 
malicious nastiness underlying bullying that doesn't exist with simple, you know, five-year-old teasing. And a lot of that maliciousness people do tend to grow out of because there's a lot of peer pressure involved in bullying. I get that. You know, the captain of the football team has all of the football team gang up on the strange kid. As you mature, you grow out of those things. But the guy who instigates it may not. He may be that aggressive, nasty, manipulative person that we run into in business or in court or on the street or wherever you happen to be. And that's that guy. But the stuff that he caused when he was a kid stays with the person who was bullied too. And I'll tell you about that. Now, bullying in my day was very different than it is these days. Obviously, you guys know I'm a a tiny bit older than a lot of you. (laughs) So there was no social media. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was no Snapchat. There was none of that where the bullying happened when I was a kid. When I was a kid, bullying was upfront. It was in your face. It was in-person nastiness. Sometimes it would be more subtle than others, but other times, boy, it was downright in your face. And I'll give you some examples. The bullying can take the form of any type of behavior. I first got a pair of glasses when I was in, I believe it was either the fourth or the fifth grade. I don't remember exactly when, but I do remember as soon as I put those glasses on my head, boy, I was four eyes. I was four eyes to everybody, and everybody made fun of the fact that I had to wear glasses, and now I had this big set of black frames on my face, which is weird now because the glasses that I had when I was a kid are very popular today. But boy, when I was a kid, when you got those glasses on your face, that big black rim glasses that you had to wear because that's the only style there was, you were the target. It sounds stupid, right? They were picking on them for wearing glasses. But boy, when everybody picks on you, about your glasses. Oh, it wears you out. It really does. One of the other things is, it's the social ostracism that's kind of a passive-aggressive bullying, whether it's you're always picked last in the sports, either because you're the fat kid, which I was, as you know from listening to other episodes, or because you wear glasses, or because they don't like you. That's a passive-aggressive way of bullying. And that's something that I was experiencing, too. You you may have remembered me talking about the dance segments we had in high school and in uh, middle school, where part of phys ed was learning to be social. We would have these dance segments where you'd have to learn to square dance, or you'd have to learn to line dance or do the hokey pokey. No one wanted to be my partner. It was always me trying to find somebody who would be my partner to be in the dance. And it it was horrible. It was horrible because you could see people averting their eyes. And I learned that cue at an early age. People would avert their eyes so that they wouldn't have to look at me so that I wouldn't go up to them and ask them to be my partner because the boys always had to ask the girls. Because back in the day, that was the social norm. The boy asked the girl. So me being the shy, introverted fat kid who was always picked on had to find it in himself to go ask not even a girlfriend, but just a female in my class to be my partner. And it was horrible. It was horrible. There was one particular incident, and I remember this vividly. I remember this vividly. And it stayed with me all of these years. It's weird what you do remember, but I can see the classroom. I can see the person. I can see the person who was with her. It was an incident that happened in seventh grade, and I remember that clear as a bell, and I remember which classroom it was in. We were in a study hall with a substitute teacher, 
and I was sitting in one of the desks. This particular girl was sitting behind me. And for no reason that I can think of, I didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. She didn't say anything. We weren't fighting. But she was one of those kind of aggressive talkers who had her little click. And for whatever reason, she hauled off and slapped me in the back of the head. It was an open-handed whack. It was, I mean, you could hear it. It was just like that around the back of my head. And I looked around and I said, stop it. And she just smiled and laughed. And her friend next to her smiled and laughed. And I turned around and went back to my work. And 30 seconds later, she slapped me again. And, you know, you could hear it just like that. And, you know, it was nothing I could do anything about because the substitute teacher wasn't paying attention and nobody around me was paying attention. I didn't have any friends to come and defend me, but she had her friend egging her on. And 30 seconds later, she slapped me again, back in the back of the head. Now, I was always taught, well, I was taught several things. I was taught first, you never hit a girl, and I've never hit a girl in my entire life. You just don't. Second, they always told me, my parents would tell me if I was having a hard time in school, well, just ignore it and they'll stop. That's a very parental thing to say, and I've said it to my kids. But I remember that was one of the things that my mother told me. Just ignore it and they'll stop. So I was trying to ignore it, but it was very difficult to ignore because when somebody's whacking you in the back of the head, you kind of have to notice it. So by the time the fourth whack in the head came across the back of my head, I had no other recourse. I started crying. Now I'm in seventh grade. I'm a fat kid. I had no friends, and now there's a girl whacking me in the head, and I'm crying in class. Yeah, that's a great picture to present to a whole bunch of middle schoolers, the fat crying kid with no friends. So I put my hand up because the substitute teacher wasn't paying any attention. I put my hand up, and I said, excuse me, and I'm whimpering and whining and crying through this. And I said, I need to go to the nurse because that was my only out. That was all that I had to me was a place to get out of this classroom because no one was helping me. I was by myself. I had to find a way out of this situation. And that was the only way that I found. And the substitute let me out. She said, yeah, go to the nurse. And I sat in the nurse's office and I tried to explain to her what was happening. And so she let me stay in the office for the rest of the period. And nothing was ever done to the girl or her friend. Nothing was ever done for me as a result of this incident. It's just something that I had to live with. It's a hard thing to live with. And all of these years later, it's still in my head. I still remember it. I don't open up a lot because of what I went through as a kid. You know, I talk and I'm a friendly guy and I'm happy to talk about things and share stories and reminisce about the good times, but there are bad times in everybody's life. And being the fat kid was the bad time in my life. And that's that was a period of time that extended for a lot of years. Uh, and one of the things that I wanted to um, share with you was how it affected me, how it made me the kind of person that I am, but also some of the lessons that I learned that maybe you can take and use for your life as well. Now, I'm not trying to be a preacher here. I'm not trying to sermonize for you. I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm just passing on some stories and some information. When I say fat kid, we all know who the fat kid is when we're growing up. He's the kid who's really big, who doesn't quite fit in, who always looks like a heavy guy. And that was me. I know you can tell from 
from seeing me on Twitch that I'm not a fat kid anymore, and I'm not really a fat old man, not yet anyway, if I keep eating the way I am, perhaps. But the fact that, I'm a, that, that I was a fat kid will make sure that I never become the fat old man, because I grew up with that. So I avoid the possibility of becoming the fat old man, I'm very aware. But I became the fat kid at a young age, and I don't know why. I, you know, I can guess, I can speculate as to what happened. Um, we didn't have a lot. My parents were not rich. I'm not a rich man now. My parents were not rich. But what they could afford was a roof over our head and some good, cheap food. We had a lot of hamburger and we had a lot of chicken when I was growing up. And while they couldn't reward me with things of a material nature, I was rewarded with food. I remember one one reward that I received, and I think it was my freshman year in high school. Uh, my parents wanted me to perform in this ensemble. I played trumpet in high school. And I was a good trumpet player and played in the band, but they had this, for lack of a better term, talent show, where each of the groups of musicians in the high school band could put together either a solo performance or a duo or a quartet or any kind of combination of instruments that you wanted to put together. So I get in with uh, three other trumpet players. We did a quartet. I was very, very nervous about it because by high school, I was a nervous wreck. I was the fat kid by then. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But the point of this little vignette is to tell you about the rewards that I would get. I wasn't rewarded with things. I didn't get a new trumpet. I didn't get a new outfit. My parents told me that if I performed in this ensemble, I could have my own pizza with anything on it that I wanted. Now, this was huge because in my family, my dad didn't like spices, didn't like things on his pizza. We had cheese pizza all the time. But I had discovered going to a, going to a birthday party early on that there was other things you could put on pizza, you know, like sausage. Ooh, what a concept. Pepperoni? Onions? So when they offered to reward me with my own pizza, with anything on it, me being the fat kid, I was like, oh boy, I'm playing in that quartet. And I did. And I got my sausage and onion pizza as a reward, and I got to eat the whole pizza all by myself. Now imagine, imagine that, a 14-year-old kid sitting down and chowing down on a 16-inch pizza all by himself. And I did, and ate it in one sitting. That was a symptom of what I was going through. But, you know, going growing up, I would have seconds on dessert. And if there was an extra hamburger, which there always seemed to be, I would have the extra hamburger. And if there was an extra piece of chicken and two helpings of potatoes and snacks between meals. And we didn't have a lot of snacks or, you know, potato chips, that was it. There, there weren't Doritos and potato chips and popcorn. It was potato chips or crackers. But I would eat them. And if mom was making cookies, who got to lick the bowl? I did. Who got to lick the beaters? We would share. My brother and sister and I would share. But we would always have the little treats that were available to us, and I took full advantage of them every chance that I could. And that mounted up to a lot of weight on me. I remember certain benchmarks along the way. I was in seventh grade. I was about five foot four. And um, every year we had to go get weighed in the nurse's office. And we had to have our height measured, and we, have, we had to have our weight measured. And this was kept in our permanent record. God knows why they did that, except that's what they did. So we showed up at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, and they measured our height and weight. And so in seventh grade, I was five foot four. And I remember the number. It's, it's burned in my head. It was 184 pounds. 184 pounds on a five foot four kid is a big kid. You can probably imagine what it looked like. You've probably known people like that. That's a lot of weight for a little kid to be carrying around in seventh grade. And uh, I'd worked my way up to 184 pounds. Now, 
I wasn't an inactive kid. I played games and we ran around outside. You heard me talk about games in one of the other episodes. But we did outdoor things too and I ran around a lot. But when I ran around, rode my bike, did whatever games we were playing, I would come home and eat and eat and eat some more. Um, so that's one of the benchmarks that I remember, the, the seventh grade benchmark. And then the freshman year benchmark is the other one. I grew a whole inch because mom kept telling me, I was going to grow, you're going to grow, and the weight will spread out and you'll look fine. Because she was aware that I was aware, but she never said, oh, you're a fat kid, you need to cut back. She never cut me off from anything. She continued to provide me whatever I needed. In today's terminology, she would probably be considered an enabler because she didn't try to cut me off. But at the time, that was mom, and she loved me, and she just made sure that I was eating well. But I was eating well because in the two years between seventh grade and freshman year in high school, I grew an inch. I was up to 5'5". And I remember seeing the scale when they weighed me in uh, freshman year. It was 240 pounds on a 5'5 kid. That's a fat kid. I'm not going to lie. That's a fat kid. I also remember the size pants that I was wearing. Uh, I had a 44-inch waist. And I remember that because it was shocking to me that I had a 44-inch waist. I remembered never buying pants that big in my life. I didn't even qualify for the husky section at Sears anymore. I had to get men's pants in a size 44. And uh, that was a little, little embarrassing for a high school student. What was even more embarrassing in, in that respect was I was in the marching band in my freshman year in high school. And they supplied you with uniforms. Uh, and of course, all the uniforms looked the same because that's what marching bands do. Unfortunately, for the five foot five, 240-pound kid, they didn't have pants to fit me. And how embarrassing is that? You go through the rack of pants, and there's nothing that fits you. That's how heavy I was, and that's what I was dealing with all through elementary school and up until high school. And the residuals of being the fat kid, especially when you get to high school, is, is the social aspect of things. I went to uh, a party. I believe it was an eighth grade graduation party. And um, because I'm in my school system, you had five through eight, and then you graduated from eighth grade, and then you went high school, which was nine through 12. And it was this uh, eighth grade graduation party. And it was the last party that I was invited to in my high school years. And I hadn't even gotten to high school yet. And I remember going to the party, and I remember nobody talking to me except one kid who I, I don't remember if he came up to me to talk to me, or if I grabbed onto him just so I'd have somebody to talk to. But I remember talking his ear off because I was desperate for somebody to listen to me, to talk to me, to socialize with me. And it was a, um, it was a very difficult thing to deal with. And I was, I was very sad that I had to monopolize this kid's time. And I felt bad for doing it, but I also felt lonely and I also felt scared because, you know, I was there essentially by myself. These were the kids that I went to school with, but, you know, I didn't have close friends. My friends growing up were the neighborhood friends. When I was a kid, we had three or four houses near us, and there was three or four kids in each of the houses, and those were my quote-unquote friends. Those are the kids we hung out with, the ones I played board games with, the ones we played kickball with, and it was all neighborhood stuff. When you went to school, there was a lot more kids, none of whom lived near me, and none of whom wanted to hang out with me or spend time with me. And uh, I got invited to this party because everybody got invited to this party. And to this day, I remember that party because to this day, I feel bad for talking that guy's ear off. And I remember his name. I'm not going to give any names out, obviously. You know, it's been years and years. But, you know, I, I'm not here to name names or anything. It's just 
the point of that is I remember the kid. I remember what he looks like. I remember the name and I remember the look in his eye. It was one of those, oh my God, he really, he really doesn't want to be talking to me. I learned to pick up on that cue because, you know, when you're, when you're not a very social person and you're put in a social setting and you see people reacting to you in a way that suggests that they don't want to be there, you pick up on that. So I picked up on that cue at that party. Well, that'll do it for today's a very special Best of Storytime episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories and all of the stories on Storytime. You guys are the best, and I can't thank you enough for all of your support. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.